Not long afterward, the young sailor returned and discovered what was happening. He became furious, and he wanted, quote-unquote, his baby back. He discussed the situation with a family uncle. And he came to the uncle, and he was great, uh, greatly beside himself. And he said, Uncle, tell me, who is the real father? The one who gave the baby life or the one who buys the baby bibs? And the uncle very wisely responded, if the father is the one who loves. Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with pastor and teacher Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Centers or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's vlcc. Now with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. This morning I want to minister a message that I've titled The Privilege of Being Called Dad. There's lots there's lots of people that can father children. But the concept of dad comes from God himself. We read in the scriptures where the Bible says we can call him Abba, Father. When you look into the inference committed there, you see the very essence of, of being able to call him daddy. The tender, intimate relationship that a child and his daddy have is embodied in God's love for us. One thing that I know, and quickly in your notes, as I think about being a dad, and I alluded to that a moment ago when we were talking about who we are in Christ. The one thing that I know about being a dad is we are the single most, and I want you to hear this, please. We are the single most important figure in the life of any child. Once again, I don't take the weight of mom off of this. I don't take the credibility or the purposefulness of mom But in today's society, I have some stats that I could share and I could do different things that I might do towards the end of the the message. But it's almost an expected thing for mama to be the tenderness of the home, for mom to be, you know, the, the, uh, the, the spiritual guide, if you will, of the home. But there's something when a father rises up and takes his God-given position. Because God is the one that set the man in the order he did. Now, I know I'm going to irritate a couple folks probably, but the Bible says that the man is over the woman. I didn't say that. Now, man has taken and perverted that. 
but it's the way God ordered it. And so many times in the society that we have today is we don't have it because women necessarily want to be the head of the house. It's because dad won't. Let me finish the note on your screen. On our shoulders, and I want you to underline this in your notes if you would, rest the greatest privilege and responsibility known in life. This is something over the many years of pastoring that I've come to learn about kids. Is there's a definite difference between the life of a child whose father figure is present and present doesn't just mean being there. It means actively participating and when he is not. The main difference, if I could break it down in very simplistic terms, between the good ones, not so good ones, and the potentially really bad father figures is this one simple underwriting decision, and that's acknowledged and accepted responsibility. It's more than just producing the child. It's acknowledging and accepting the responsibility of rearing the child that makes the difference. Am I making any sense this morning? Ephesians chapter 6. I'm reading out of the message translation, Eugene Peterson. I just, I've got several different translations that I use, and, and this one I thought was, was very pertinent. It says, fathers, don't exasperate your children by coming down hard on them. That word exasperate would actually come from the tenor of being duplicit, saying one thing, do another. You will not bring a straightforward answer or decision or directive to a child, but yet we'll come down hard on them if they don't do what sometimes they don't even know to do. Am I making any sense today? Look what it says here. But take them by the hand and lead them in the way of the master. Fathers, that's the privilege that we have. This little boy, this little girl is just longing for us to grab a hold of them and show them the ways of this world in the master. Now I'm going to use another translation. It's called the Living Bible. And I didn't put it on the screen, but uh, you can write it down. It's the same passage, Ephesians 6, 4, but it's all the, the Living Bible. Listen to what it says. Fathers, don't keep scolding and nagging your children as it only causes anger and resentment. Raise them in loving discipline, suggestions, and godly advice. We all have seen the fruit of severity in disciplinary action. Severity and cruelty is not found in God's word as far as raising our families, as far as being an example of the things of God. If punished with cruelty, what happens? Hearts become hard and lives turn bitter. 
But if we correct according to God's word and reason, you'll feel every blow on your own heart as you discipline that child. Parents are called to correct, not to punish. This is not a parenting class, and I don't mean to bring it out this way, but in setting the foundation for this, we have to understand that the word of God places the disciplinary responsibility on the father, not the mother. I remember when my kids were growing up, I was very explicit to my wife. And I said, you don't need it. You can just tell them if they've done something wrong, whatever the case is, that I will see them when I get home. That was not the words they wanted to hear. Because when dad got home, I did what the wife needed me to do and the children needed me to do. And that it was to bring a correction, a discipline. Are you with me this morning? And so when I got home, that's what I did. But when I went and brought that, I would take my son or daughter into their bedroom and I would bring the rod of correction with me. Okay, you say, well, that's not politically correct today. And I care why. It's biblical. So I would bring that and I would set it next to them and I would talk to them. Because you see, it does no good to discipline without understanding. It does no good to bring correction without first giving them direction. And so I would talk to them about what was happening, the reason, what they had done, what had gone on, and I allowed them to give me their response. It didn't change the discipline, but allowed them to share. And then the discipline would happen. I would leave them in the room, and I would go out and close the door. And then probably five or ten minutes later, because when I left, I told them, I want you to think about all that we did, all that happened. I'd come back in, and you know what I did? I talked to them again. You can't bring correction without direction. And I would help them to, once again, understand what it was that had just happened. You see, this is what the Word of God says the father figure, the dad, is supposed to bring to the home. Punishment is not what we do. Correction is what we do. Punishment comes from a principle of revenge. You punish somebody because you're wanting to get back at them. But those who correct from the principle of affectionate concern are disciplining and correcting from the instruction of the word of the Lord. Let me give you two passages. Proverbs 13, 24. Once again, I'm using Eugene Peterson's. A refusal, the scripture says, to correct is simply a refusal to love. If we don't bring correction, then we're telling the child we really don't care about them. Am I making any sense? Love your children by disciplining them. Proverbs 23 says it this way. Don't be afraid to correct your young ones. 
And I love the way Peterson wrote this. And I love the word of, of, uh, of God and how it brings up. Look what it says. A spanking won't kill them. The way they scream, sometimes it might seem like they're dying, but it won't. A good spanking, he goes on to say, in fact, might save them from something worse than death. The King James says the rod of correction will drive the evil spirit away and save the child from hell. Being a parent is an interesting thing. Now I want to turn it and talk purposefully to dads today. Being a father is an interesting thing. We, we spend uh, the first months or short few years of a child's life encouraging them to, to stand up and walk and learn to talk. And then we spend the last 10 years between 8 and 18 encouraging them to sit down and be quiet. Sometimes, maybe not everybody, but the responsibility of being a father in your notes quickly. As a father, it's our responsibility not only to parent, but also to nurture our children, to bring encouragement, to bring instruction, to bring direction. The definition, the very definition of father means to beget, raise, or nurture a child. And in short, it means to accept the responsibility of that child you fathered. And we have seen the stories. We see, we see riots all over America today all over the world. And there's a common denominator that is very present in many of the young people that are rioting. It's not a color issue. A lot of it comes to an absent father issue. I remember, and we all saw it on TV, the riots they had in Baltimore, where this one young man was out there rioting. He had his face covered up, but guarantee mama knew what was under that cover. How many saw it on TV? Mama came out and grabbed that boy and said, you ain't going to be doing that in my house. And then they interviewed the boy later and said, Mama took care of that. The question is, why did Mama have to do it? Where was Dad? He didn't have a dad. And you see, and I want you to hear me, Dads. This is our society. This is our culture today. So I'm not here to put anybody down. Matter of fact, when we're done, you're going to be feeling very lifted up. But I take us right back to the place of responsibility. I can promise you, if your wife knew that you were taking the helm of disciplinary action for those kids, you would lift 60%, probably 70% of the weight off of the home because they knew that dad was going to bring correction, instruction, direction, discipline. And mom knew she didn't have to deal with that aspect. She could just say, go to your room. Dad will talk to you when he gets home. Let me tell you something, dads. That brings more fear sometimes than the paddle does because they don't know what's going to happen. Understand. And I I purposely put this in the notes because I want you to grab a hold of this. We need to understand 
that dads have one of the most important roles imaginable in a child's life. And so whether you're active, inactive, deliberate, or passive, you're still raising that child. I want you to think about it. I watched a movie recently, one of those um, um, Jesus Channel movies. I don't remember what it was called. And the movie was called What Would Jesus Do? And in the movie, the dad drank all the time, was in and out of jail. But his two kids, who he hadn't seen in years, were growing up to be like the dad they never saw. When the dad got out of jail, I don't want to spoil the movie, but I'm one of those kind of guys who like to know the end of a movie before I see it. So I won't spoil it too much if you want to go watch it. We have to rent it. It's, it's there. But you know the dad came, gave his life to Christ. And the first thing he did, he apologized to his kids for not being the man that God called him to be. Are you with me today? See, love is an action word. Love is very simple these days. We say, I love you very flippantly. We say, I love you many times to get what we want. We say, I love you. But love is an action word. Love is a demonstration of character and heart and dedication and ability. And we have to understand that if no one steps in or accepts the challenge of rearing a child in that male representation, that father figure, that child will usually grow up to be whatever the world places on him or whatever the longing father he's wanting to know. Very few exceptions. An example of what I'm talking about is many years ago in... in uh, In Germany, there was a family that were of Jewish belief, very dedicated. They never missed synagogue. They never missed the the different traditions of the Jewish faith, the Jewish religion, if you will. Acts of piety and devotion that were greatly described and prescribed by the religion. Father was very zealous. And while the boy was a teenager, after living this, this life of zeal, in the things of God, and the things of Judaism, all of a sudden the family had to relocate to another town in Germany where there was not a synagogue. Therefore, the father, without reason, virtually abandoned all of the Jewish traditions, and they joined the Lutheran church, and they become Lutherans. See, this is what religion does. Religion works for the benefit of man. Relationship works for the benefit of our life in Christ. The son family asked the father, why would you do this? And listen to the father's responses in your notes. It was necessary to help my business. See, this is the picture of hypocrisy. 
we're not doing what we're doing because it's what we're supposed to do and what our dedication of life is. We do it because of what benefits us. The youngster was bewildered and confused, and he, his deep disappointment gave way to anger and intense bitterness. After he graduated high school, after he decided to go off to college, he went to England to study. His days, his days were spent in the British Museum following his ideas and composing a book. In that book, he introduced a whole concept of life and worldview and a movement designed to change the world. And this was a statement that he made in the book that religion is the opiate of the masses. That could very well be explained in simple economics. Today, two billion people follow this man's religion, this man's thoughts. His name was Karl Marx. Karl Marx, the beginning, the founder, the progenitor, the father of communism. And the effect is still felt around the world today. Why? Because of a dad's hypocrisy. Duplicity, saying one thing, doing another. Say I'm going to do something and yet do something separate. Let me make this very important statement in your notes. Being a father means leadership. And leadership at home is much more than being in charge. It's much more than walking softly and carrying a big stick. It is the key to the entire redemption of that household, of that family. A father's leadership, a father's headship is literally the strength of the family. And where a father won't take that place of leadership and authority and God-given responsibility, there are many variables that happen in that home. Let me go a step further. Just like the father's headship is the strength of the family, the family is the strength of the church. And the church is no stronger than its families. This is the reason God takes family so serious and Satan attacks it so vicious. Most children learn their future life, Christian or non-Christian, from their dad. That's a statistical fact. As wonderful as the mom is, most children learn their Christian or non-Christian future from their dad. So let's talk about the potential of being the father God called you to be. And I want you to hear this with all of my heart, regardless of your past, gentlemen. Before I got saved, before I gave my life to Christ, I wasn't a very good dad. My oldest daughter was six years old when I got saved, and there was no way to make up for those past six years. I was hardly ever there. I was gone. Most of you know my testimony. I was, I was gone to other cities and other states in my, uh, my job profession. Hardly ever home. I gave my life to Christ, and I was hardly ever gone. Why? Because something happened in me, and I began to learn, my kids need me. My children need my example. So gentlemen, listen to me. 
regardless of your past, you have the opportunity to begin brand new for all those that follow after you. I've told people all these years as a pastor, you can blame anybody for where you was born. You can blame anybody for where you're raised. But you can't blame anybody for how you choose to live. And our kids desperately need us, gentlemen, to live a godly life. I'm going to share a story that's some of you might shake your head and say, oh, that's a little hard. But as you hear the end of the story, it may not be as hard as you think. It was the summer of 59 and a family were driving through the roads of South Dakota. The kids were in the back, the two boys with the comic books, and mom and dad were in the front seat. The boys had been fighting and screaming in the back, and despite repeated warnings, they continued. When all at once, dad stopped the old station wagon, pulled over to the side of the road, went out, opened the door, took the two boys, stood them on the side of the road, and drove away. Oh, mom was upset. But dad said, no, I've got to bring some direction. I've got to bring some correction. The story goes, as the boys are sharing it, how pretty soon they saw the station wagon top the hill and disappear. Oh, they began to cry. But they remembered how much he loved his parents when they saw that station wagon coming back. And he came back and stopped and picked him up. But listen to this. He said, more than anything, I learned to respect my dad that day. And the rest of the story, I didn't put it all in your notes, but the rest of the story was this boy became a great man of God in his family. Why? Because dad said what he meant and meant what he said and brought the direction and the correction to this boy's life. Children, gentlemen, need to know. We mean business. Is this making any sense today? They need to know that they just can't play mom and dad against each other, that they can't just get their way because they're playing the emotions. They got to understand right is right and wrong is wrong. And that doesn't come through mom, gentlemen. That comes from dad. Can I have one amen this morning? I should have, Lauren, do you have, can I get an amen? I know that's Pastor Philemon's, but I was going to borrow it for just a second. We have the awesome potential of changing an entire lineage. A father is the founder of the children's family heritage. Lastly and quickly, thank you. The privilege of being dad. After I learned what it meant, meant to become a father, it was very easy for me to accept the responsibility and the privilege of being a dad. Years ago when I became a grandfather, my wife and I are now the, or very soon, the proud grandparents of six grandkids. Man. 
I've often argued with God. I said, God, couldn't we become grandparents first? Anyway, some of you will catch that after you leave. Since I've become saved, I've looked at the honor and the privilege of trying to be the best dad I can be. And so you, as a man today, have the same ability, the same privilege of becoming that dad. I believe some Christian parents, even today, dads don't understand that place yet. And I believe because of that, this is why our children many times, not all times, but many times have a difficult time believing because they're not convinced that Jesus is their dad's priority. Once again, not mom. They expect mom to be churchy. They expect mom to go to church. They expect mom to have this spiritual thing about her because after all, mom's got eyes in the back of her head and out her ears and mom sees everything. How does she know that? But when dad says, "Uh uh-uh, this is what it is, that child realizes he's got something that makes him this way and I kind of like what I see. And when Jesus becomes our security, when that that commitment, then we long to just have dad there with us. I remember reading about James Dobson many years ago when he was a, a young boy. He talked about how at nighttime, their, 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 uh, their apartment was very small, so the baby's bed was right in with the, uh, with the uh, mom and dad's bed. And the toddler, as the years grew on, the toddler bed was right in there with mom's bed because of the very small apartment. And during the nighttime, if there was a storm or if there was a, something happening, sometimes in the middle of the night, uh, little Jim Dobson would wake up and he'd call out for his dad. And the dad would respond, what, Jimmy? And Jim Dobson's response was, Dad, would you hold my hand? And so in the darkness, Dad would just reach out and grope around until he found the little boy's hand, and his hand would engulf his child's hand. And shortly afterwards, you see the whole life of that child's body go limp. Why? Because it was in the security and comfort of knowing security was there. Dad was there. He said, all I wanted to know was that dad was there. And he said, until the day his his father died, he continued to reach out to him for assurance, guidance, encouragement. Guys, guys, can I get real personal with you? Your kids are literally dying for your attention. They're literally dying to know that you're there. And God has given us this wonderful privilege of not only fathering a child, but raising that child in God's kingdom for God's glory, for God's purpose, so that they too can raise their children. I remember my children that when they were growing up, I told all of them, I said, I don't really, I'm not concerned who you marry. I, I, I've had never, never a, a prejudice bone, didn't care, red, yellow, black, white. I think there's five. I can't think of the other one. 
I, I didn't, it didn't matter. I told him the only thing I want is a Christian. Marry a Christian man. Marry a Christian woman. I told you I'd share some statistics that if a dad and mom attend church together, 72% of the children remain faithful to God. If only the dad attends, 55% will continue to attend church. If only the mom attends, 15%. Huge difference, dads. Huge difference that we make in our children's lives. You see, Dad, you occupy a place in the heart of your child that no one else will ever satisfy. And all who are privileged to be called Dad, I encourage you, be there. Be there for your kids. My oldest is going to be 40. Can you believe that? Man. I think about that, and I, Pastor Philemon, we're getting old. (laughs) Pastor Ray, we're, but you know what? She still calls me. I was on the phone with her last night for about an hour. My son, my oldest son is, what is Timmy, 33, 34? They're all getting, you know, they're all getting older, but you know what? When push comes to shove, you know who they call? Dad. Not because they don't love, but they don't call mom. They call dad. Gentlemen, you are one of God's greatest creations on this earth because you are the progenitor of life. We can't do without the woman, so don't get this idea. See, I told her that. No, no. Yeah. Next time you think about that, just look at your mom and say, eh, if it wasn't for the woman, I wouldn't even be here. So the reality is, think about it, guys. You have the greatest privilege in the world as the worship team comes this morning. You have the greatest privilege in the world, and that's to be the transforming figure in your child's life, in your family's life. And in all that we do, we need to understand that no matter the cost, we need to be there for our kids. You say, well, my kids, he, he's beyond hope. Is he still breathing? He still has hope. Is she still breathing? She still has. It doesn't matter. You can still make a difference. You say, well, no, I've been such a hypocrite. I've been such a horrible example for my kids. You know how you can make the first difference? By saying, please forgive me. See, I tell people all the time when they say, Pastor, I, man, I make mistakes as a Christian. Can I tell you that making a mistake as a Christian is one of the greatest things you can do? Oh, not purposely, because it gives you the opportunity of showing Christ. Because Christ in you is what's going to rise up and say, will you forgive me? Will you please forgive me for me being that way or this way? And our children need that. They need that desperately. Why? Because this is the picture of true love. True love sees responsibility as a privilege and never a duty. Being dad should never be a duty. This is why we've got 
over 60 million abortions that have happened since 1973 is because we didn't want to take the responsibility or think we had now a duty instead of understanding the privilege of that little one. Never a duty, but always the greatest joy could happen. Gentlemen, it doesn't matter where you've been. What matters right here today is where you're at and where you're going. Will you take your kids with you? You say, well, Pastor, I'm divorced and I don't do much with my kids. Good time to just pick up the phone and call them and say, you know, it's Father's Day and and I just wanted to call you. Well, are they supposed to call us? Well, if you haven't been talking to them, it might be a good time for you to call them. You say, well, Pastor, I'm remarried and, and I have my kids and her kids and what do I do? Make them our kids. As everybody in this church knows, I'm a divorced pastor. I'm remarried. I have two kids. My wife has two kids. And when I refer to them, I refer to them as our kids. She, my, daughter, my wife, if you're wondering where Jewel is, she's in Seattle, Washington, helping my daughter prepare the baby's room because she's going to have her first baby in September. So she's up there for 10 days. Oh, pray for your pastor, please. Pray. She's up there, and, and she's spending time with, the, with our daughter, and she is helping to paint and do this and that and the other thing while the daughter and the son-in-law are working and, and just a wonderful time of being there. And I talk to my, let me use the word, stepkids, just like my real kids. I've heard somebody say, well, you know, I'm just a stepdad. Can I tell you something? I like to look at it this way. You're the guy that stepped in to do what the other one wouldn't. I think that's a pretty good thing. I think that's a pretty good thing. And so let me ask you, gentlemen, I'm not going to have an open altar call this morning, but I want to ask you right where you're at in your chair, how is your fatherliness? How is your fatherhood? How have you been as a dad? Now, before you start beating yourself, as I did when I first got saved, I want you to take a look at it this way. Today is the first day to begin to be the dad God called me to be. And you can do it. You can be an awesome dad. It might start with just saying, son, daughter, please forgive me. Please forgive me. They're not too far gone. They're only a phone call away. Would you make the difference? Would you be the dad that God called you to be? Pastor Tim Masters with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. 
I'm Joe Harding. For Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Centers, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast. Yeah.